Bonjour, it's Claire, and welcome and thanks for listening to the Integral Life podcast, where we explore resilience and how to spark a life and go from alive-ish to alive. And today I'm with Monique DeBose. Hi, Monique. Thank you for being with us Hi. today. Thank you, Claire. I'm happy to be here with you. Well, I'm very excited for that. And Monique is an award-winning singer-songwriter and playwright. She has performed across the globe and recently for Quincy Jones. She has released two albums to great critical acclaim and will release her third, well, actually, just one month from now, the uh, 27th of September, yeah, the sovereign one. She has a bachelor's in applied mathematics and holds a master's degree in spiritual psychology and is trained at the Groundlings Comedy Theater, which I totally love. I believe we need more people with seemingly non-linear curriculums. <laughs> so I love you. <laughs> well, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> and she's also a mom raising two conscious loving boys. And she didn't sing in public until she was 18 years old. And in her own words, she was terrified. And today she coaches people to unleash their authentic voices. She supports individuals and organizations to gain clarity in who they are and what they are here to do. And she supports people to use their small voice to find and express their big voice out into the world. So let's dive in. I, I'm sure everyone now is curious about the story behind this change. <laughs> so, like, there you are completely self-assured and confident. It's even like difficult to believe you were even shy at some point in your life. So what's your story? Okay, well, thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. Um, and it is very nonlinear, which is so funny. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think if I just take it to that level now, I think we're all on a journey when we come mm. onto this planet. And things are set up for us, I believe, so that we can really become who we're meant to be and work on the things we're physically born into our bodies to actually work on. So for me, I think I just really started off as shy and um, unassured of who I was and what I was to be on the planet. Um, so I, I always knew that I wanted to be a performer and I always knew it was so important that people got seen. Those were the two things that were really uh, driving forces for my whole life. Um, I always cared if somebody, if I saw somebody who felt like, who seemed like they weren't being seen, that was really important to me. And I always knew that there was this joy and this excitement of exploring the entire range of the human emotion. Um, and that to me was really exciting. And that really translated beautifully into performance and um, being on a stage. So somehow I've found a way to just marry those two but I didn't always know that that was what I wanted to do. And then when I knew those were the things I wanted to do, I didn't know how to do them. Mm -hmm. So I've had such an interesting um, journey of, you know, being raised by very uh, domineering, not in a negative way, but just very clear that you are going to college, you are going to study math or science, you are going to get a job in the workforce, you are going to be safe and secure. And that was their real, um, goal and intention for me. So I was on that path. And so each step was, you know, standing in myself, becoming more and more sovereign around, wait, that's not exactly what I'm here to do. So, um, 
I think I'm just, I'm a, I'm a jack of all trades. I won't say master of none, but I'm a jack of all (laughs) trades. I know how to um, learn any and everything and I'm curious about any and everything. And I think that's part of my work as well. Just really staying the course of making sure people feel seen and making sure I'm exploring and experiencing all the human uh, range of emotions. And that's performance for me and coaching for me at this point. Yeah, actually I loved, so I was in your uh, workshop where you presented uh, a part of your uh, show, Milato Math, and then it turned into a a workshop and that was beautiful things. We will talk about this later, but I loved the way you were mm, putting together math and all these beautiful things in singing, you were talking about the uh, um, raising awareness about race and what it is to, be, uh, to live in a multi-race society. And it was so interesting to see how you mingled math into that and how it just feels so natural. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it did. And I feel like it wasn't a big stretch for me when it was time to write the show. I just knew the equations were going to be a part of it because my brain is a very, it, in addition to being a very free form brain, it's also extremely binary, which is I mean, <laughs> hilarious in itself. Um, so it is always trying to figure things out and make sense of things, which I think most human brains do. I just have the skills of mathematics to use that as a, an overlay for what we're all trying to do. Um, yeah, it was wonderful, and it didn't feel like a stretch at all. And I'm still sometimes looking at those equations saying, hmm, how can I, how can I really solve this? Which I know is impossible, but, but still curious. So when did you realize, um, okay, this, uh, you always knew you wanted to be seen and to be on stage, but when did you realize, yes, this is what I'm going to do? Well, when I was 18, as you said in my intro, that was the first time I sang publicly and it was in a vocal improv workshop, which I've now gone on to start leading myself. Um, But before that, I used to sing at home um, like I was on a stage. Like I just knew I was such a great performer, you know, in the privacy and the comfort of my own bedroom. (laughs) Um, but it was just something that I loved and it activated something inside my body whenever I saw a great performance or was touched by a great performance. And I knew that I wanted to be a part of that. Um, but I knew it was going to be a career when I made a choice to um, leave the track I was on, which was, you know, finished college, went and got a job in corporate America. And I knew after the first week, Literally, the first week I knew us, I had a very clear thought. This is not my life. Like, it just got, it was, a, it was spoken to me or I spoke it to myself. It was, this is not my life. And so from that moment forward, I spent a year at that company learning and growing. But I also knew after one year, I was going to be complete. And I was going to make that, you know, leap of either going to New York or to Los Angeles to start pursuing and learning and training to be a performer. And that's what I did. I moved to LA, which was my home. So I felt more comfortable making that leap here. Okay, so that, that's interesting. So that, at that point, it, um, just when you began working in it, you realized, no, that's, 
that's not for me and this is not the life I have inside of me. This is the right. life someone created for me, but I can create another life. Right. That was the first time I had that thought. And I think it was also helpful to see the people who were working, who were career employees. Mm. I just, like, I looked and, you know, probably not having the full picture at all, but just having, you know, a 22 year old mind. Uh, I was like, Oh no, I am not going to be that person <laughs> at 40. I mean, just some of the coworkers I saw, I just thought this, this, there's gotta be more for me. Obviously everybody has their own journey. Um, but, and, and I made that, I made that choice. Like my father was very upset with me because, you know, he came, you know, he's an African-American man who came from the segregated South. One education was key to advancing, but the advancement meant getting a great job at a stable company that paid you great money, which I had all those things. So in his consciousness that I had, I had done it and why would I ruin it now um, to go follow a dream? And I said, dad, I'm not happy at this job. He's like, what does that have to do with anything? And so that was, you know, that was a huge difference in terms of like mindset for me and my dad at that point in life. He's obviously, well, not obviously, he's come around a while ago saying, I'm so proud of you. And I, I don't know what you do, <laughs> but I'm proud of you. <laughs> and to me, that was a really big deal as well. And it justified something inside for that little girl who is still worried that she maybe wouldn't have made, or didn't make the right decision. Yeah. And actually that's a decision that, that many people don't, will never take or take like, 20 years after that or 30 years after that why do you think we have such a hard time stepping into our power and creating the life we want well i think that's just it the word power um we have a funny relationship with power power is an outside force that's what we've been taught um for so mm. much of our existence right. most people don't aren't conscious that they have power inside themselves we really come onto this planet, most of us, I'll speak for myself and some of the clients I work with, um, we have this idea that it, power doesn't source from within us. Like we can possibly take some powerful steps, but we are not power and we do not create our lives. Um, that's just a mindset that a lot of us come into the world with um, or are taught because that's what we've been taught from our family and previous generations. Um, and so there is this real shift in consciousness around creating your life. Uh, there's a created life uh, and a reported on life. I think those are the two distinctions I've heard. Um, like things just happen, this happened, this happened, mm -hmm. versus this is what I'm creating for myself, or this is what I'm creating for my, you know, my sense of being today. Um, so I don't think a lot of us know that we have that choice. And it's also a huge leap of faith in the sense that, yeah, I don't know that I'm going to make what I was making when I was 22. You know, I was working, I think I was making like $42,000 a year, which was a great opportunity back, you know, when I graduated from college and when I um, was 22 years old. And mm -hmm. But I didn't care. There was something inside me that was just so hungry for actually feeling expressed, actually following what was whispering in my ear. And to me, that has been so much more fulfilling than having a paycheck. 
and a false sense of security. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong. We all need food to eat. We all need money to like pay for where we live. And, you know, but I was willing to risk that at that point in my life because it just, it, there was a movie. Okay. Sorry. There was a movie I saw um, with Johnny Depp. Uh, it's, uh, or he was the pirate. I forgot what his name is. Um, like, um, yes. They made like series of them now. Pirate the Caribbean. What's yeah? Oh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, Pirates of the That's Caribbean. That's it. <laughs> uh, and one of the ghost pirates once said to him, "I have all the riches in the world. I have all the most delicious food in the world, but I can't taste any of it. I can't mm. enjoy any of it." And that's what I feel like so many of us do. We walk around collecting and stuffing ourselves with food, and but we don't really actually enjoy it, and we can't because. It's coming from a place of, this is what I need to be secure and happy, but without checking in, what do I actually need to be secure and happy? So that's what I'm following. That's my, that's my North Star. What do I actually need to be fulfilled? And it's scary at times. And you come up, I've come up against so many fears and struggles and insecurities. Mm. And this is the life I'm choosing to live. And it's been very fulfilling. Yeah, I can believe that. <laughs> what were some resistances you, you had to uh, overcome when you went to, uh, to LA and decided, okay, now from now on, this is the life I choose. So that was just the first step, right? To, uh, to that was life. literally the first step. I mean, I had mm. to get over my fear of going to open mics which is, you know, where you just go up and sign up to sing a song and in public, I had to get over my fear of being, you know, enrolling in a course that would at the end be a, sh you know, create a showcase for a show. I had to figure out how to make an album when I felt like one, I didn't sing like the people on the charts and I didn't look like the people on the charts. And I, <laughs> I was comparing my insides to their outsides, so I had no idea, but um, it, it has been such a journey of, and I'm still on the journey. I probably will be on this journey until I take my last breath in this body, but I was on the journey and continue to be on the journey of coming back to, no, but what's great and unique and amazing about you, Monique? Yeah, you can't sing like Mariah Carey, or you can't sing like Whitney Houston. But what do you bring and what is, what is your intention in what you're doing? So it's always coming back to those questions for myself because I will get blown out of the game and uh, destroyed if I like stay in the, compar the comparison world, which yeah. I did for a long time. So that was part of the journey too of understanding mm -hmm. that comparing myself um, is, is a losing game. And I actually wrote a song about that. That's so funny. I haven't recorded it, but I just, I just remembered, oh yeah, there's a song I wrote about comparing myself <laughs> to others. Um, so what are some of the other pieces of resistance? Am I good enough? Is this really yeah. what I'm supposed to be doing? But if I was supposed to be doing it, how come I haven't quote unquote made it yet? Um, all these questions show up. So it's part of the journey has also been learning to just, be with the insecurity and be yes. with the questioning of the self and knowing that that is present and that that means nothing beyond it is present. It's not an indicator of stopping or not stopping.
sometimes you, when we have these doubts, it, it is even an indicator of, okay, if I, I have these fears and these doubts, this is something that's really important for me. And that yeah. probably at the end of this tunnel, there's something big and something that's worth going into this, whatever it is. And that's why we, we resist so much. We don't know what's after that. But. That's so true, Claire. That's really true. That's wonderful. Yeah. So true. And that's part of the journey too, remembering just that very fast. Mm. Cause we can get, we can see it's, and we don't understand and we don't know and we don't have a guarantee. And it's like, yes, I have to remember that I won't have a guarantee, but there is something that I will be learning or gaining from this experience. On the way. Yeah. And it feels like you, um, uh, what you were sharing about finding your voice and so on, it, it kind of culminated into mulatto math. Am I right? Like it seems to be the moment where you really put your story and who you were into the world, literally, on stage. Yeah. Um, uh, yes. And also the album that's coming out. I mean, I wrote so both of those projects simultaneously. Mm. I wrote them before. Why are you writing all of oh, this okay. now? <laughs> like, why don't you do one and then the other? But I knew something was open. Yeah. Something was there was open. like a... Uh, I had access to some really deep, profound truths. And I wasn't sure that I would remember to like stay in that space when it was time for the next project. So I did them mm. both simultaneously. And they're both really great expressions of like deep, authentic, real truth. Um, but yes, that was, as I reflect upon the show now, you know, being on the other side of, you know, having a really successful run of it here in LA and I'm actually taking it to New York September 15th, which is exciting. Um, wow. Yeah. Being on the other side, you know, having some of the performances under my belt and having to stand on the stage while people, you know, sit in the audience and experience it or have their judgments of it um, or are moved deeply by it. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing like we create so that we can take ourselves to the, our very next place. So mm -hmm. I'm very curious now um, what's on the other side. I know I'm like getting to the other side of this show and I'm very curious to see like what's next because for so long it had been such a huge part of like who of my identity, all the energy and the emotions that are attached and, and expressed in that show. They were like my living, breathing companions for so long. And since doing the show, it's as if they don't need me as much or I'm aware that they're not the whole of the story. They're part of the story. So I'm really curious to see what's happening next uh, creatively and just in life. But yes, absolutely. They were really culminating pieces of authentic expression. Because what I feel like, and I see this with so many of my clients, um, things run us when we don't give them an outlet. There's a yes. wonderful book that my sons have. Um, oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's about the dragon in the house, or it's not a dragon, or it's not a real dragon. And it's a story about a little boy who sees a dragon, a tiny little dragon one day when he wakes up. And he goes down and he tells his mom, mom, there's a dragon in my room. And his mom's like, no, that dragon doesn't exist. That's not real. And so he thinks, oh, mom must be right. So he starts ignoring it. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it ends up taking over the entire house. And 
they get the point of the story obviously is when you actually spend the time and energy and are respectful to acknowledge what is actually present, that's really all it needs usually, or that's a huge piece of it to not let it become something that takes over your entire experience. So I feel like with a lot of the clients I work with, we have things, they have things that they just haven't been willing to look at. And I create a container and a space that allows them opportunity to actually look at it in a way that feels safe enough because it never feels safe, but safe yeah. enough. And um, it's really beautiful watching what happens. And I, I know this fully and I know I help people with this because I've done that in my own journey with this show. Like that to me was a huge dragon and putting it out, the dragon has continued to like reduce in size, which is really amazing. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I love what you're uh, sharing. That's, a lot of what I'm doing with my clients is I, sometimes I say I tame elephants mm -hmm. and I'm talking about elephants in the room, you know, these elephants, where they are there and they're so big and you still don't want to see them, but they are governing all of your life. You're, you're yeah. just living your life according to that. Whereas the moment you decide to face it, it just shrinks and allows so much space for, uh, for life. And actually yeah. I, I know because you share it on stage, uh, at this uh, workshop that you were uh, facing a tumor as well and that was a part of this journey if I understood well in working um, writing this uh, this show was also a part of this journey of facing this uh, this illness yeah. and to me it's really so powerful because I, I do believe and I do see in my clients that whenever we suppress something it it stays there and it stays in us. And then it tries to find a way to express itself. And many times it becomes uh, a illness or chronic illness or, or pain. Yeah, that, um, thank you for bringing that up because I, I haven't forgotten, but you just reminded me, of course, this mulatto math, summing up the race equation in America and the sovereign one, the album, both, like I said, I was working on both projects simultaneously. But before that, I was given the diagnosis of something called a desmoid tumor in my abdominal wall. And doctors, you know, were saying, gotta be on pharmaceuticals for the rest of your life. And that didn't feel right for me. And obviously, I'm not giving medical advice, but for me. Um, and then <laughs> yeah. I went to second opinions and they were like, you gotta cut it out right now. And I, that didn't feel right for me. And so I have, you know, some skill sets I use uh, for myself, obviously, and with clients. Um, but I started having a dialogue with the tumor. And that was some of the mm -hmm. most interesting and uh, revelatory work. Because what it was saying to me when I actually sat down and listened to it, it was telling me, you have been holding your expression, you have been holding uh, things back that you need to express that are actually yours because you're worried about what other people will think or worried about hurting people that you love. And we can't do this anymore. Like you have to start expressing who you are in the world. And it was profound. And that was really a big piece of yeah. what started the journey for me. Yeah. So thank you for bringing that back up. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. Super interesting. And, Actually, I, I wanted to ask you because I remember, I mean, Melatomas is a lot about your story 
And of mm-hmm. course, to some extent, it's your family story. So yeah. how did you deal with deciding what to say? What did you do for yourself? Did you feel like they could feel hurt or uh, upset by what you would say? Absolutely. Um, it's really interesting. Um, I, I, I shared the script with my husband before I put it up because there's some pieces about our marriage in the show. Mm. Um, and he was very supportive. You know, it was challenging at times, but he was very supportive and it has come to every single one of the shows, which is amazing. Um, and with my family, there have been, I'm just hearing a truck. Is that what I mean? Yeah. Okay. And with, yes. my, <laughs> with my family, it has been a journey, honestly. Um, my mother has felt really hurt by the show. Um, mm. My father, I think, has been has felt seen by the show in a way that maybe he didn't know that mm. he needed to be seen in. Um, and for my mother, it's been an interesting dance because she's she's one of my biggest supporters, and so. She's come to the show a couple of times and it's been challenging for her because I do talk about the dynamic of mother-daughter. I talk about the dynamic mm-hmm. of white mother in America with a you know mixed-race daughter and the feeling like I wasn't, like parts of me got missed um, or not taken into account. Um, but it's been, it's created wonderful conversation where we've really revealed and gotten closer in many ways, but it's also created... Um, I think a public hurt and that I think is really, you know, I have a mother who is um, very loving and very um, interested in um, being perceived in a way that she dictates, which we all, you know, a lot of us do that and have that desire. And so I feel like she's, um, I think she's in a space of like dealing with that feeling hurt, um, feeling perhaps out of depth and not knowing how to like move beyond this. And, um, it's, it's just an interesting part of the journey. And that was something that the tumor said to me. It's like, you cannot for your own health, you cannot be worried about what other people are going to experience if it's in integrity and in service to like what the essence of this project is, you have to share it. And so um, it's been a journey, you know, I'm still on it. And there's some days where I feel like, nope, this is absolutely the best thing. And then some days I'm like, did I need to do this? And, but I'm mm. still moving forward, you know, cause it, this show serves so deeply. So it serves beyond me and beyond my mother, beyond my family. So I, I it's, it's important for me to keep sharing it. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, I've, I've seen it in um, in the workshop I attended, and I totally resonate with that because it's something that kept me behind in the in a way to begin this whole integrally alive. Not only the podcast, but uh, the the whole project. It's because yeah. uh, it's a lot of of it is about my story and it's my family story. So I was for me the uh, the change was when I realized there was such a denial in my family and I was really upset with that and I was like okay this needs to end not only like you say that day became much much bigger than just me and my family it became 
that is hurting people and it just needs to to stop so yeah. it maybe they will feel hurt or tell or whatever but there is a bigger bigger thing at, at stake in that and yeah like you say sometimes i'm not so sure but i don't regret anything and i would yeah. uh, I'm, I'm i won't go back for sure but actually yes yeah i was attending this workshop so there was this extract from your show Melatomat and then we went into sharing about what you were talking about this uh, in this show but then it goes way farther than that mm-hmm. and you took us into some kind of exercises and I witnessed strangers being instantaneously authentic and answering to deeply personal questions in a very total transparent way yeah where in everyday life they might hide behind excuses or white lies and it didn't happen then so what is your magic (laughs) what did you do to make it possible first of all thank you Uh, i appreciate because this uh, was i want to um i want to uh to say that this was not uh, a long workshop it was uh, i think two hours or something so on the span of like two days yeah, I think it was probably... Yeah, like it was maybe one hour, hour and a half. Or, hour and a half, yeah. 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 So when you have two days, you can work, you know, into making the people like feeling safe and so on the first day and then the second day you go deeper. But in one hour... <laughs> Here's the secret. Are you ready for it? <laughs> I'm ready. What I know to be true is that everybody is looking for connection. Whether it be to another human being or more importantly, to themselves. We're all wanting mm-hmm. to, see, to see ourselves in a way that feels safe. And so I think my magic, if we're gonna really just say that, I like that, that's fun, <laughs> um, was that I, with the show and with the album as well, I believe, and we'll see as people start, you know, um, as it comes out, um, I give everything. It's almost as if, and when I was writing this show, I had this thought recur over and over. This is either going to change conversations for people or this is a suicide mission. Mm -hmm. It was one or the other in my mindset, very binary. And I realized in a way it's not one or the other. It's both. I had to let pieces of myself die. Like I had to Mm -hmm. let go of parts of myself, like my pride or my wanting to look good or my desire to um, uh, yeah, be seen as this you know, put together beautiful woman. Um, I had to be willing to let that go in order to change people's experiences. And so I think that's part of what makes it magical. And it's also in the form of theater, as in the album is a form of like music. It's, it's, it's something that is not threatening to us as a, as a as a race, as a, you know, as humanity, because art and theater is, it feels safe. But to me, good art, good theater is something that makes you think and changes the cells in your body. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what both these pieces that I've done do. So people coming in feeling like safe to experience, and then what they experience is somebody who is very willing to be so vulnerable and put all her cards on the table and then somebody who can hold the space to really facilitate others doing the same right there in the moment. I feel like that is, that is the magic, having those three skill sets. Um, 
But also, I think there's a fourth piece. People, yes, we all have the desire to be connected, but we also have to have a willingness. And I felt yeah. like that room, there was a willingness. And actually, even at the beginning, if it's not, if the willingness is not there, just going through the process of those three steps of coming to art, watching somebody be extremely vulnerable and having somebody masterful at least, you know, facilitate something that, mm -hmm. that just invites willingness. So that to me, and that can happen. I honestly believe that can happen in 20 minutes, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, so true. I, I really believe that we all need connection and we all are looking for connection. And when we see someone being vulnerable enough so we can, in this process, feel connected not only to that person, but also to ourselves, then, yeah, it just happens naturally. You don't yeah. need to force anything. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. What is one thing you wish someone told you back? Like if your old self, your, your now today self would be able to come back in the past and say something, one piece of advice for your old self, not daring yet to change, what would you say? Oh, that's a great question. I would educate myself on a truth that we're all divine beings having a human experience, that we choose or we chose the life we walked into and i don't mean it in a sense of like oh if you're suffering that's what you chose it's not that mm -hmm. but we chose the life we walked into because our soul is here to work that out and so to me suffering or not suffering it's like it changes everything into oh i'm at choice with this or oh this is in service to me learning some things because I think I walked around for a lot of time just feeling like a victim, feeling mm. like things were happening to me. So that's what I would share with myself. And that also, I'm so much greater and have so much more capacity than I'll ever think I do. That's something I would tell myself. The capacity I think I have is minimal compared to the capacity that actually exists here yeah so true it feels like the only way to actually believe that is walking towards it that's why it's so scary i guess because we yeah. cannot we can know that but it's not enough <laughs> we need to feel it and the only way to do that is going towards that and it feels so scary when you don't know what's coming uh, coming up and then that's where one of the skill sets that i share with clients comes into me because it's like three foot toss, you know, we could try and, you know, throw something 20 feet away and try and hit a target 20 feet away. But why mm -hmm. not let ourselves have three foot tosses, you know, just one foot in front of the other and let's like acknowledge the success and the accomplishment of that. And then, you know, just continue taking three foot tosses so that the confidence builds. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great tip. Yeah. Yeah. And my last and perfect question, what <laughs> makes you feel alive? <laughs> Great sex. Um, <laughs> um, I was going to say I'm joking, but no, that is part of what makes me feel alive. Um, <laughs> dancing, um, laughing, singing, um, playing and being silly yeah those are the things 
Um, being of service is also something that mm. really just feeds me. It, it, it makes it. Yeah. So those are, those are the things. Yeah. Um, I love it. So many people um, mistake being childlike with being childish. So yeah. I love what you say about playing. We yeah. can be playing and in a kind of, I love it when I, when I, um, I'm in the state of this curious, curiousness <laughs> that Curious. children have. Yeah. <laughs> of, hey, this is the first time I'm doing this. I don't know what, what it's going to be like, but let's find out, you know, without any expectations. And I love it when I be, when I'm in that state and I wish that I, I would, uh, I would, and we, we could be in that state all the time because it's a wonderful way to, to learn, to live, to be, uh, to be alive, kind of. Yeah. So yeah, love it. What, what to say about playing? Yeah. And where can the listeners find you? Ah, um, well, my website, moniquedebose.com, um, will take you to uh, the coaching things that I do. And then moniquedebosemusic.com <laughs> uh, shares the music part of me. And then mulattomath.com is about the show. But all of that can be found on the moniquedebose.com website. Monique Debose. And with all these links on the show not yet. If you're um, willing, if I can do a quick little plug, is that yep, possible? Sure. Uh, thank you. Uh, my album, the Sovereign One, is for oh, yeah. is for everybody who loves great music, who um, specifically um, is really the album. I wrote the album to basically call back all the parts of myself that I had lent out, given away. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm becoming this sovereign entity. And so the project is available now for pre-order on iTunes. And if you go to iTunes um, and just put in Monique DuBose, you'll see that project. And I'd so great, uh, graciously ask that you pre-order it if this is airing before September 27th so that um, it can chart on the day it's released because all the pre-orders, uh, uh, count for the first day sales, which I didn't know until somebody told me. So yeah. <laughs> that would be a great gift for me and a great gift for you as well. Well, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I heard your music and it's beautiful. So. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you, Monique, for being with us today and sharing your story and your wisdom. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. If you like what you hear, leave a comment on the blog. If you don't like what you hear, leave a comment on the blog and subscribe to the podcast <laughs> till next time and until then spark a life and be integrally alive bye